And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, our featured guest is an individual who we've been corresponding with through email for a number of years and very familiar with his body of work. And, you know, when you come across people that, I don't know, have a similar view of the world or just are aware, fully aware of what's going on, I feel like they're oxygen and you just want to be in their presence. And our featured guest is going to be be speaking at an event called Narcopolco, which will be in Acapulco, Mexico. It's going to take place the first week of February. Highly recommend if you can make it out there because they literally are going to have the cream of the crop when it comes to freedom advocates. Dr. Ron Paul, who's been on our program five times, will be out there. You're going to have Jeff Berwick who will be out there. Sheena Murte is going to speak. Mark Passio is going to speak. Max Egan has also been on our show, will be out there. So it's a week's worth of amazing activities and wonderful individuals are going to talk to you about the cutting edge of freedom. But before we get into our show, I want to dedicate tonight's program to my father, because aside from being the most honorable man I ever met and the person I look up to and a great role model, I am so proud of him because he is fully aware of all the bullshit with the, the vax and everything. And I, I've been seeing him fully awaken more and more. And it is so wonderful to see someone and see people that you love awaken to what's going on and sometimes they'll have that hard awakening where it's angry and sometimes they'll have an awakening on the court and he really never trusted things in the beginning but he's you know waking up more and now he's kind of um he's i, I consider all that i used to send emails to my family and friends telling them about what's going on now he's doing it i'm outsourcing all of my emails to my father because he's, he's picking up the weight so i want to say that if you see someone who's waking up you know, do whatever you can uh, to kind of encourage them, you know, cheer them on. You know, I, the last thing I think you'd want to do is say, you know, I told you so, doing that stuff. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a temptation. But just be happy because more and more people are going to be like that. And not everyone's going to wake up the same. Some are going to be angry. They may be angry at you. And it just may be a way because they don't know how to direct that anger f- from knowing that they, they trusted and bought a whole lie. But uh, very excited about our featured guest. Let us begin. It is a great pleasure to welcome to our show for the very first time, Mr. Charlie Robinson. He is author of The Octopus of Global Control, a controversial humorous book that takes quotes from over 500 witnesses to uncover some of history's greatest events. And he's also co-author of a phenomenal book that I've read called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. It was also co-written with Jeff Berwick. 
And I have to tell you something, that particular book, that is just a wonderful story you want to read to kids at bedtime. It'll put them to sleep. It's just, <laughs> it's wonderful. And it also makes a great gift to give to your friends that are still well deep in the matrix. It's one of those things where you're going to give to them. You're probably not going to hear from them for a few weeks afterwards, but it's wonderful. Then we're about to, Charlie, by going to his website at theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. Charlie, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to, to chat We've been chatting, yes, but just via email, you know, just via email. Nice to do it in real life. Yes, great. So, from where you are seeing things right now, somebody who is probably more awakened than the average person, where do you see things going um, the next couple of years in the world? Do you find that there's going to be a uh, any trends towards peaceful? Because I know. um, I know Larkin Rose is being all Dr. Phil and Jeff being all Dr. Phil about, you know, saying great things, but it seems like we're going to have these crazy times ahead. But where do you see the world heading at large? Well, look, I think with any sort of transition, it's going to be painful. You know, it's going to be painful for a lot of people. Uh, Jeff and I sort of put this in the in the tail end of the controlled demolition book. We brought up the the tsunami that hit Indonesia in 2004. And in that morning, um, people woke up and there, and they went to the beach and there was no water. The water was gone. It had been sucked away. Right. And, and there's just, there's uncovered sand where there used to be water and nobody could really figure it out. And people were taking selfies or they were picking up starfish that they could now see. And they thought it was wild. And, but the people that recognized these events, they knew what that, that meant. They immediately went to higher ground. The animals instinctively knew to go to higher ground and where we are right now is we're in the the phase where the water is, you've woken up, you've come out to the beach and there's no water there. And people are going, what does this mean? What's coming? And I would suggest that it is a tsunami. Um, maybe not an actual tsunami, but a tsunami of change. And for those that are that recognize the signs early and can get themselves to higher ground, they've got to do that. We've, we've got to, whoever you can reach that's nearby, close friends, family members that they're willing to listen to you, explain to them what, what you see, where we're going and say, we got to get to higher ground now because you don't want to be the last person to figure it out. You don't want to be taking selfies down on the beach, wondering where that water is and then see it coming your way. So look, Jeff and and Larkin have, you know, they, they have, their opinions and they they think that things are going to be fine in the end and and I hope they are fine in the end and I want that and I want there to be a much better version of society when we get through this but we're going to go through a transition that's going to really catch people well it's going to catch people off guard there's a lot of people that are sitting around waiting to be told what to do, waiting for daddy government or the media or a politician that they like, or maybe, you know, even a celebrity that they, that they think they trust or whatever to tell them how to think or what to feel. And and look, we're going to have to take responsibility for ourselves here. And, and, and I welcome this actually, because it's a, it's an opportunity for us to, to have a better future. What we have right now is insanity. I I, ju- uh, I simply couldn't agree cannot, with you more. I cannot imagine this going on for much longer. Yeah, I want you know a a, 
a divorce from these people that 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 can't uh, you know they're saying that there's a hundred different genders and that you know you know everything is uh, subjective and and there are no good guys and bad guys and age oh sure we can sexualize kids that are seven years old because age is just a construct of society and you go yeah no, it's no. getting really weird and creepy <laughs> about that and, and the average person is going along with them like you have enough co- I. I it's hard to be even fathom the cognitive dissonance to believe all the narratives that happened with the with the COVID. But it, to to go down this path and to not even stand up, I mean, is there a drop of testosterone left in the in the men of this world? But I agree with you. On that's that. a that's a good question. Uh, the answer is, I think it's been seriously rationed, and <laughs> and unfortunately, there, but but like we see it, your audience sees it. My audience sees it. We we see it. It's right in front of our face. It's like you know those 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 paintings or, or those pictures that you can you'll you'll see like at the mall or some place some some place that sells posters and it's all the dots and you look at it and you squint your eyes and tilt your head and then you're like oh it's an elephant now I see it I see the elephant it's there and then but someone else can be standing right next to you and they're looking at the, all those dots and they just they can never see the elephant. Right. Once you see it, you can never unsee it. And for the rest of the people, you want to go, it's just right there. Just squint your eyes a little bit and tilt your head. Can't you see it? And they just go, I don't see it. So wake up the people that can be, um, that are ready to be uh, woken up and prioritize your time and energy. Focus on the people close to you and make moves in advance of this. Because I guess the good news is that we're in a period of relative calm, although it you know, it's hard yeah. to say that with, with as much insanity as going on out there, but it can get a lot worse. And I don't wish that, of course, but I do, I do want to get us through this transitional period and out the other side where things where people have said, oh, I get it. The government lies to us about everything. <laughs> the media is on their side. They're partners on the line. The, uh, the money system is fake the belief systems are completely manufactured. Oh, I get this. I don't want anything to do with this. What is the other alternative? And guys like Jeff and guys like Larkin and these, and I'll be at Anarchapulco in, you know, in a couple of weeks to, to talk to all those people and to be a present, a presenter there, but also to meet and talk to all these other people that are, that are saying, I recognize the way society is laid out right now. I don't like it. I'm not going to try and change it because that's crazy to try and change this machine. I'm just going to build a different machine that's better. And then we'll just pull people over to our way of doing things instead. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that. Excellent. Well, I'm really glad you're on that mission. And when it comes to trying to get people to think differently, the fear of personal responsibility, I believe that is something that in some way people are more terrified of that and living under an authoritarian dictator because they feel they have this illusion of consistency or an illusion of somewhat security. And I can't, I was just so surprised when COVID happened, how many people were so afraid and they were relishing and they're using fear as a virtue and the personal responsibility, Charlie, I don't know what happened, but I think personal responsibility is awesome. I think it's fantastic when you can, you know, put yourself on the line, you run your own life, and, you know, if something bad happens and it's your responsibility, but at least you have them. It, it seems like a lot of people don't have that conditioning. And was speaking with Doug Casey, apparently a very a small percentage of that population 
thinks that way. Like we, we we're having a conversation like this is normal and it seems pretty normal to want to take full responsibility for your life. But the way you say things, is there any particular uh, type of event beyond an economic uh, calamity that would greatly accelerate people's drive and their passion for you know, being responsible, having personal responsibility? I do. I do see something out there. We all see it. But it's kind of a problem, too, in that, in that uh, the thing that is going to wake up a lot of people is the COVID shots. And the downside to that is that there's going to be a lot of people very damaged by that, physically damaged by that. And it has the potential to wake up a large batch of humanity to what we have been subjected to, what we've allowed um, the government to roll out, pharmaceutical industry to roll out, the psychological programming, like you said, to get people to to see taking personal responsibility as some sort of disgusting venture that they would never um, undertake. It's that, that is we're, we're headed down a path where once you recognize what's going on with the shots and you stop saying, well, you know, I, I guess it is normal that these professional soccer players just fall over and drop. I guess that was always happening. No, I was, I played soccer and, high school and college. And I can assure you in all the games I played and never saw anybody have a heart attack and all this is not mm-hmm. normal. And, and, and that if, if we can get through this and wake up a lot of people, it's going to be really bad. I mean, the personal prices that people will pay for this realization will be horrific, but it does have the ability to create a, maybe not everybody. Cause I don't think everybody's ready to, for this, but a new batch, much in the way 9-11 created a new batch of people that's, that we, we said, all right, you guys see that there's something wrong with the official story and you're, you're, you're unsure what it is, but you know it's a lie and you're, and you're angry, but you're not sure where to direct your anger, whether that's 9-11 or COVID or whatever. We're going to get to that point. And I think with, with the shots, and I did an episode of Macroaggressions called Where Did, the, where did All the People Go? And it was very, it was a, it was a strange episode because I, I almost didn't put it out. I, I didn't, I, I talked to my producer on it and I said, well, oh, man, I don't know if I even want to do this. He says, we'll record it and then I'll listen to it and then we'll decide whether or not to put it out. And so I did, I recorded it. He listened to it. He said, you got to put it out. I was like, okay. But it was, what I was doing with this was I was examining a couple different things. It was really more of a two-part episode, but I was examining the the first component was the the shot rollout according to the cdc mm-hmm. their numbers uh there's a domestic cdc and there's an international cdc and so i was looking at their numbers that they gave for the amount of shots that were put out and where they went as far as demographic type um and uh and where they went as far as countries as well the international components that would show how many have taken the first one how many have taken the second one the boot first booster and the second booster I took all that information. I took the SPARS pandemic document, which is a fictional scenario, but it's unfortunately very real. And I overlaid that onto these numbers. And then the last part was I took this uh, chart that was made by a company called Deagle, which is a controversial chart. People say, wow, it's fake and everything. Well, the, the, the company's real. And the chart's been out there for a long time because I put it, I, I, I mentioned it in my 2017 Octopus book. So it's not something that's brand new. It's been around for a long time. And that chart 
showed a very disturbing trend. It showed a 70% drop in populations along the Western world in all of these countries, right? But there were only a few. There were 10 countries that didn't see, um, according to this Deagle chart, they didn't see population declines. In fact, they saw little spikes in their population. There were only 10 of them. You know, and I, I said, well, this is peculiar. This is, I wonder why, you know, it'd be one thing if America's population went down by 70%, but then you saw that Mexico's population went up by a hundred percent. You'd go, oh, well, all the Americans are going to Mexico. That makes sense. But in the chart, there was no corresponding uh, increase in population anywhere, except in these 10 foreign countries. And it was very small. But when I looked at those foreign countries, and then I overlaid them over the CDC's international map as far as who got the, the least amount of shots. They were identical. And I was like, oh, man, this is bad. So I started to try. I just did a thought experiment with that ep- episode saying, all right, this is what I've seen. These are the numbers. This is where it's going. What does this mean for us financially? What does this mean for us strategically? Like, is China going to, you know, is somebody going to invade us because, of, and what is this going to mean from a societal standpoint? And of course, when I'm thinking of societies and writing a book with Berwick, I always go to like taxation, you know, and it's like, uh, and Larkin Rose, since you mentioned him, we know how much he loves taxes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I kept thinking, okay, so let's just, inv- let's imagine a scenario where we're, we're five years down the road, right? And these numbers pan out and they are real and 70% of people are gone. And we know why they're gone because in the sparse pandemic document, it becomes undeniable that it was the vaccine that did it. So you've got this 30% left. You've got say a hundred in the Deagle documents, it's 99 million in America. So you've got this population and it's April 15th. It's tax time. And, 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 and the government says, all right, it's time for you to pay your taxes. Who do you think is going to pay their taxes? Are you out of your mind? You just, you, my That's entire family's wiped yeah. out. Everybody I know has lost multiple people to this. And you want me to pay taxes to this government, the government that talked to all these people, that lied these people into it with the media and everything. So my thought was, how do you even manage society after this, after the, the trust is lost. Now, we in the alternative com- media community, we, we don't have the trust for, for, for the establishment anyway, mm-hmm. but a lot of people do, and a lot of people need it. And frankly, society kind of needs it. It sort of runs on trust. Um, but when that trust is gone, what do we do? So, so you know, the where you asked about where I see things, you know, whether there's hope and optimism. If the shots do what the role-playing exercises show that they could do, then the future is going to be very confusing. There's going to be few, far, obviously far fewer people, but the people that are uh, around are going to be the ones that either didn't fall into the trap in the first place because they were suspicious of the government and the media and the pharmaceutical industry, or they were... they dodged a bullet somehow, and they are now suspicious of all of those things as well. But you would be living in a society that is basically uncontrollable by government. And as much as I think Larkin Rose likes the idea of a society being uncontrolled by the government, 
it would probably be best if we were able to slowly transition into that, or at least at a manageable rate, as opposed to waking up three years, five years later, and seven out of 10 people are gone, you know? Yeah, it's really crazy. And I, I get a lot of Larkin's concepts, but I just don't know how many people would be willing to commit to it because I, I'll explain just because I think they're so accustomed to the authority figure. And I know Larkin's uh, on the up and up saying, well, you know, people are kind of moving away from it and all these things are happening. They, they're kind of shattering people or we're moving away, but maybe the transition needs to happen quicker in order to salvage the amount of people that are here. Because even without the 70% of the people gone, I just think there could be too much chaos and people probably wouldn't even understand. They may be too far in their cognitive distance. Do you think there's ever a point where no matter how much trauma happens that people will still never wake up, they'll still be in denial up until the very end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in, in some cases, I think, I mean, I'm no psychologist or anything, but people, when they experience this, <clears throat> when they experience trauma in their lives, especially like if they're really young kids and some, something really unspeakable happens to them, they compartmentalize it or shatter, you know, or, or, or create an alternative personality in order to like the brain says that we have to, you're never going to be able to deal with this in reality. We're going to have to create like a whole new version of you that doesn't have this memory of this horrible thing. So I think there will be people that will have, that will have a hard time recognizing what they have, um, you know, they'll have a hard time believing that this is actually happening but enough people will recognize it for enough people. They'll say, well, this is peculiar that all of the, all the people that I, you know, that didn't take the, sh the shots and were on Twitter saying they're never going to take the shots. They're all still alive. And all the other people are, are dead. And even though I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I have to make the connection that something has happened to one right. group of those people. So, I mean, I think a lot of people, it will be in their own self-interest or their self-preservation to pretend like they can't connect those dots. And the mind is a, is a, is an interesting place, but uh, I think enough will kind of stand up and say, I mean, already a lot of people are saying there's something fishy here. And we're like, keep going with that. You're on the right track. Yeah. Just keep, keep being conspiratorial. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Keep asking questions when it comes to, the economic collapse. This is actually something we've explored on our show for a long time, probably since 2014. We've been doing shows about this and we've wow. interviewed everyone from uh, Gerald Salente to Peter Schiff. And we've had even Robert Kiyosaki on. And we, and we had like another, uh, I think seven or eight different experts. The one, I mean, they're all kind of, there's a, there's a, a, very, a lot of similarities with these experts. They're all saying that, I, mean, I think Salente was saying that the economy should have collapsed a while ago, but then they put out negative interest rates. So they put more things to keep this thing going. The only person who I think doesn't believe that that dollar is going to collapse is Martin Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And when I asked him about this, because I had him on recently asking about this, he said, look, he said, all these things that happen, they, they don't, this doesn't happen because the government prints out too much money. He said, it happens because there's a crisis of confidence within that government. You're saying that's what ultimately led to Wiramar. And he's giving historical references to how hyperinflation and the economies have collapsed. And he thinks that the U.S., he said Europe's going to go down first before the U.S. So I'm curious to, to figure out um, where your perspective is on, this, on the economy collapsing compared to some of these other experts out there. Where do you kind of um, have a similar viewpoint or vision and do you agree or disagree with Martin Armstrong that 
we may see high inflation, but we may not see the total collapse of the dollar or all currencies in general. That they'll they'll have to be worth something. They'll have to have something because people, so many people have it. I like Martin Armstrong a lot. He's, I, in fact, I think if if all of the economists out there, I tend to, whenever I see a video with him, I always stop and watch it. I think he's really smart. Yeah, and and I know what he's been saying. He's been saying that you know all the other currents. If you're, we're talking about the currencies who's the best what's the what's the best what's the worst well the the best currency to have will be the dollar because everything else all the other countries will have issues with their currency and they will try to work their way back towards the dollar as as much as they can but at the in the end i think the dollar collapses as well and i don't think that they have a problem with that as long as they get to manage the collapse themselves and get you into an alternative space. And that alternative space currently sounds like it's going to be central bank digital currencies, which are the all of the horrible components of the Federal Reserve note combined with the horrible components of the worst crypto coin you've ever found, you know, a, a, tr- yeah. a total trackable surveillance coin that can be set to expire that will be, uh, you know, completely. The government will have access to how many, where you're spending it, how much you have in your in your wallet, your bank account, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they can they can set the the money to um, expire on a certain date. They can they can incentivize people to get in get on board with this process by offering them um, more dollar, you know, digital coins, digital dollars. Let's just call them as opposed to uh, current paper dollar. Hey, come in now, convert all your stuff over. We'll give you three for one. I mean, what does it matter to them? They print it out of thin air, right? They can, if they want to start that transition program, they can. I don't, um, look far be it for me to, to, to go against Martin Armstrong with his economics. Okay. Because I, I put him on a pedestal and, and if he's, if he says that he thinks that he sees this happening, I would be interested in listening to, to him on that topic for sure. But I think that, um, I come, I, I think that there's, I think he's all, he's making an assumption that there's still sanity left in this equation. And I think that these people are very dangerous. And I think that they're, this is the end of the rope for for this fiat currency system. We're moving into a new digital territory, and I don't know that it will be, you know, the the way it's supposed to be. I don't know that that transition will will happen the way it's supposed to to be. I I can envision a scenario in which, um, you know, these 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 new digital dollars just work on a, at the company store. You know, they just in the company store is any company that's connected to the World Economic Forum or a United Nations or some group like that. I could see this being um, uh, I could see universal basic income playing a role in this, whereas the economies of the world get so horrible. You know, they're, they're just so destroyed economically that you have to in order to make sure that the people don't riot and and come for for the ruling class with the guillotines and everything. They give them the the bread and circuses that they've always given them except that the bread is now digital and it's in the form of a universal basic income a free coin that is given to them monthly that allows them to cover their costs it's not my idea 
It's their idea. They've talked about this openly. The World Economic yeah. Forum pushes this. It's 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 certainly something that is on the table. But but again, it go it takes me back to this this uh this term I heard one time that that said they said that the mice get stuck in the mouse trap because they can never figure out why the cheese is free. <laughs> and so uh, the universal basic income makes me feel like free cheese. Yeah, and some people will be willing to go for it. And I wonder when it comes to frequency and vibration, because we've gone and we like to talk about a lot of metaphysical, spiritual aspects on the show, is I wonder if within that frequency that they're beaming out, either through the cell phone or through some of these other places, if there is a frequency that cannot be heard but is picked up that puts the human body, human mind at a subtle vibration that does not allow it to access certain areas that you would call celestial peaceful realms. Uh, Andrew Huberman talks about 40 megahertz, I believe 40 hertz, that that is supposed to be the, the prime spot, but most music is at 44. And apparently it's supposed to put you at a very uh, in place where you're not at peace. So from where you're experienced, have you found any kind of uh, things that say that certain devices that the elites are trying to use to suppress humanity have certain uh, similar patterns in terms of visuals, in terms of sound that equate to putting a person in a state of stress as opposed to having them be in a state where they're more at peace. Yeah. I mean, th this is, this gets dismissed by people that, that go, Oh, this is like, Hocus Pocus, or you saw this on a TV show, or you saw this in a movie or something, and you go, oh, yeah, I get it, man. I know it sounds a little woo-woo, but there, there is a real, we, we, make a, a, we make a severe miscalculation when we, we say, I'll believe it when I see it, or mm -hmm. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. You know, you, we, we're trained to think that what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears or taste or smell that that's it that this is the reality this is the the extent of these uh, of of these uh, you know of what can be seen or what can be heard and we and we say well i didn't see it so it it wasn't there well you know david ike would tell you that we are blind in this yeah. universe that we 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 use a fraction of a of of a you know half a percent of the visible light spectrum or is visible to us so are there sounds that are inducing us into certain behaviors of course absolutely i mean we they they, they prove that on a on a on a very uh analog level with like the uh pavlov's dog you know you ring the bell and the dog uh thinks it's going to get a treat starts salivating so we already know we can be conditioned through sound and things like that then you take that, add the technical and scientific component that we that most of us are unqualified to speak about, myself included in that, and and we start talking about vibration and what that does to what that does to water molecules, what that does to when you take a plate of sand and and bounce that at a certain vibration, you can make it look beautiful, you can make it look ugly. What does that do to us? Can it make us look beautiful? Can it, can it make us feel beautiful? Can it make us feel ugly? Can it make us angry? I mean, look at the reaction. I've never been, I've never felt more disconnected from 
large groups of humanity than I feel right now. Me too. I feel like so many people, I just don't, it used to be, you, you think one thing, I think another thing, whatever, let's go get pizza. But now it's like, and I don't know if it's, if it was Trump who did this and he was a great, the great divider, you know, yeah. but, uh, uh, but now it seems like you believe one thing. I believe another thing. I don't even want to see you anymore. And they, and you know, or I don't want to hang out. I don't want to be around those people that think that. And I know that those people that, that are over there are thinking the same thing about me, you know? So we're in this weird place where it feels kind of like mind control. I mean, it feels like we have been under some sort of, uh, and now, I mean, now, God, I'm getting into this Alana Freeland type stuff, you know, silent weapons for quiet wars and this thing. And you go, oh, okay, well, they're totally messing with our brains here. But, but I think you, I think you're on to something here. I think, I think that the, the role of vibration and, and sound and these things is, is overlooked by a lot of people because they, they're expecting overt manipulation of you, like saying, don't look there, look there, you know, but, but what a perfect way to, to, to actually manipulate people, convince them that, it, that these are their own thoughts, that, that, that yeah. they're not being manipulated. If you can do that. And I, and I would suggest they do have the technology to do that. We're all hackable as Harari says, right. We're all hackable animals. Yeah. Out of brains. And Andrew Huberman's, I watched, I watched, uh, sorry, Andrew Kaufman's film, Trivium, I found that really fascinating, especially towards the end when they were really going into water and talking about how water has a memory and mm -hmm. there was a lot of information on there. But going a little deeper, Charlie, I've had the experience and pleasure of interviewing people that have had near-death experiences. And yeah. there's a correlation between that and um, I think that between uh, some people that we've had that on our show, they say that there's only one consciousness and everyone in all life is an imagination or a creation within the, within the mind of the one being. Mm -hmm. And that being said, when we had Shinamurte on, you're saying you don't want to be the, uh, the creation. You want to put yourself in the position of the dreamer, shift our consciousness over there. Do you think that generally speaking, people who are very pro-freedom or people that have a, an anarchistic way of, of living and looking at life are in the process of shifting towards the dreamer or are they just more or less, you think, regular people that just want to be left alone, that just want to go about their lives and be left alone? Do you think there's, or is there always a, a spiritual component to that? Well, I'll tell you what I, the, here's my unscientific, scientific experiment, if you will. I, and, and I haven't, it's not, I haven't done it officially or anything like that, but I have noticed that if I were to take the people in the alternative media that I think are really, well, most of the people in the alternative media that are talking about these things and see the world from a different point of view and, 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 and all other people in my life that have uh, maybe aren't in the alternative media, but also see things a little differently. We do have a common denominator and that is uh, hallucinogens at some point. Yeah. Uh, Mother ayahuasca. Mother ayahuasca, psilocybin mushrooms, DMT, uh, whatever, you know, there, there's a, there's a whole host of those things. And, and when done respectfully and not, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to go eat a bag of mushrooms and go to this rave. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that. But if you're, if you're in a position where you're, you're 
you're exploring your own consciousness. And as Graham Hancock talks about in his book, The War on Consciousness, you, you, when, when the state starts to get involved in trying to tell you what you can and can't do with your consciousness, I think it makes people like us very angry because yeah. you know, first of all, they have no authority to tell me anything, but they certainly don't have any authority to tell me how to manage my own consciousness. This is my trip, not yours in the government. Yeah not yours in, in Davos. This is my trip and I will manage it however I want to manage it. And if I, if because of this life that I'm living and because of the experiences that I've had, I am now able to peel back the curtain and see that these things that I thought were once real are actually just, a, it's just a gigantic, it's, it's Truman, the Truman show happening before our eyes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. I'm going to talk about that and I'm going to point that out. And I think a lot of people, and, I'm, and, and I want to make a di differentiation between, it's not like when I say like psychedelics and, and, and things like that, it's not drugs, man. You know, like there's, there, there's different levels of drugs and some drugs are really bad for you. And some mm -hmm. are just called drugs because the government has deemed and classified them as drugs, but in actuality, they're just plants that grow or they're mushrooms that grow or whatever. But the, this, this idea that, uh, and, and, and I put this in my first book, the Graham Hancock quote, he was talking about how psychedelics have the ability to um, um, unpick the lock in the controlling hierarchy. And that those people realize that that's why they demonize them and try to keep you away from them is because if you, if you go near them, you run the risk of opening yourself up to the possibility that everything you know is wrong and that the people that are telling you the way the world works, they don't really, they're just buffoons. And so if you're going to run society and have control over society, you have to make sure that those voices aren't heard. So a lot of us in the alternative media are demonized because we have these alternative ways of thinking about things. But but, but the demonization, interestingly enough, doesn't come necessarily from the state down towards us. I mean, it does a little, but not, not much. Most of it comes from our peers yeah. demonizing us, you know, people that, that, that can't see it saying, I don't know, you keep saying that you see an elephant in that picture. And I've been looking at that picture my entire life and there's no elephant there. And it's like, well, you're looking at it wrong, you yeah. know? It's and that's why I think one of the greatest liberations you can offer yourself is to not care what anyone thinks. Oh yeah, I, I I think when I was Tough. when I was growing up, I didn't do that, and then I got completely you know trapped into it. Like and then once that liberation happened, once again, it was beautiful because you know we don't give a crap when anyone cares. It's just wonderful. In your experience, Charlie, what are some of the tools of empowerment that you recommend to others that are either in the early process of waking up or fully awake? and they want to attain more freedom, what are three things that they can do to maximize their freedom? Well, first of all, turn your, turn your mainstream media news off. Um, well, let me refer, let me refresh. <laughs> Pay attention just enough so that you know what the prevailing lies are, what the narratives are. I'm not saying believe it, but listen, I guess, so that you hear what they're trying to tell people. But for, by and large, the mainstream media is a propaganda organization designed to get you to feel a certain way. So just about everything that comes from them on the, in the, in the realm of news, I'm not necessarily talking about like every single thing that's on TV, but I'm just talking about with regard to the news component of it, they're trying to make you feel a certain way because 
they need you to feel that way. So if you turn in that, that way might be angry towards one political group or happy that a certain person got into office or, or scared that, that Russia is going to murder everybody or scared that a virus with a 99.98% survivability rate is going to kill everybody. They need you to believe these things. So, and that's the, the best place for them to get a hold of you is through the mainstream media. I'd say a subset of that is the, is social media too. So, so be very careful of those platforms. Second, I'd say read a book, read books. There's a lot of people out there that have gone so much further down these rabbit holes than I will ever get. And they've written books about it. And those books are out there. They're out there for now. I don't know how long they'll be out there because if you want to control society, you also need to control people's access to all these alternative ways of thinking. So I can, I can envision a, a time in, in which the, these books disappear, unfortunately. So, so, so read, read books and look, ask questions. This has been the, the most important thing for me. If you're, if you're somebody who, who has a lot of this figured out, and you're, you're, and you're interested in starting the conversation with somebody close to you, a family member or a good friend or somebody, but you know, they're kind of not into this or they haven't really thought of that. You know, they're, they're, they're lining up for another booster and they just, they, they're not figuring this out in time. And you want to have that conversation, ask your friends questions, ask them, Hey man, what do you make of this? Uh, you know, it seems crazy that all these people keep you know, taking these injections. And then it seems like they're the only ones getting sick. Have you noticed that? What do you make of that? And the person will go, oh yeah, I've noticed that. That's really weird. Or they may say, I haven't, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I've been at work all my life. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to anything. I don't know what's going on. I have found that when I'm talking to people, the best way that I can wake them up is to not fire hose information all over them against their will, but is to just ask them a question and make it a two-way street, make it a dialogue, not a monologue, right? So, so, mm -hmm. so you've got, you're talking to them, they're talking back to you. And that's how the information changes hands. Don't do it the way I did it the first hundred times where I just verbally unloaded so on some poor bastard and, and, and <laughs> who didn't want it and didn't need it and wasn't going to listen to it anyway. And you just, they just go, no, I, I don't want to, yeah. you know, they're very defensive. So a lot of this is, is up to, you know, trial and error, learn, learn how to do this the right way. You're not going to wake up everybody, you know, for those, but those that you're, there's a, there's a thing that happens. You, you, when you come into this information and I suspect it's, it's probably like, I'm not religious, but I would suspect it's probably like this for people that discover their religion that they really like as well. There's a, there's an enthusiasm about it. I just found this stuff out. This is crazy. I didn't know this was here. Look at all this information. And you want to share it with other people and you're very excited about it. And you want to share that enthusiasm with somebody else. But the problem is that other person does not have the same level of enthusiasm about this particular subject as you do. That's where I messed up because I was like, oh my God, you've got to hear this about 9-11, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and this person's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not interested in what you're talking about. I don't care. So we in the alternative media as content creators, and then people that are listening to our stuff or buying our books or whatever, 
we all can do a better job of making this conversation with the normies, as James Corbett calls them, you know, talking to the normies. It's great. He was so far ahead of his time. He's he was so he great. was calling it out before before the first week. He said, "This is all about the vaccine." He was saying it, and Gerald Salente was saying it, and Ron Paul was saying it. Those are the three loudest voices. And of course, Jeff was saying it. You guys were saying it, but the, Corbett was saying like from the, the second the story broke, it's like it's about a vaccine. He, and he went into detail. I was very impressed with him and his. He's so. I, I had I was the third week of March, 2020. So we're what two weeks into this whole thing. I, I, I had James on my show and we were talking about this and he said to me, he goes, uh, and we're just getting in, we're just starting lockdowns. Right. And just the, the, the concept of lockdowns, he goes, what if he goes, what if they lock everybody down and it's a lot of fun. It's two weeks and it's a lot of fun. It's like, Netflix and chocolate chip ice cream and, 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 and we're hanging out on the couch and I get to hang, you know, talk to my friend, call my friends and Hey, you know, whatever. And then they say, up, oh, we're all good. Go back to go. You know, we're all done here with the lockdown. Uh, you can come out of your houses, go back to work, go back and do your, you know, go back to, to normal. And you do that. And then the next time around, they say, oh, well, there's another virus. So it's time to go back in your house. And, and everyone thinks, oh, it's the Netflix time. And I get to go, you know, do Peloton in my sweatpants and, you know, and all that stuff. And he goes, and they put you in the house. And this time they never let you out. And I was like, God damn, James, are you trying to he scare is, me? Yeah. He said it would, he said it could work that way where, where, where they, they test you, where you, you, you have this association with the lockdowns as, as being not that bad. And I was like, oh, man, that's devious. Yeah, his critical thinking levels are, are amazing. It's, it's, yeah. it's respect. But uh, Charlie Robinson, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Charlie is going to be a featured guest speaker at Anarchapalco. And it'll be happening February 6th through 10th. And we'll post a link to that. But uh, most importantly, Charlie is the author of the book called The Octopus of Global Control. And he's also the author of a book that I've read at least three different times, the controlled demolition of the sorry, co-author of the book, the controlled demolition of the American Empire. That was so well researched. And I love the fact that there are so many citations you have in there. I think that the last part of the book is just citations. It was yeah. really well written. But uh you can learn more about Charlie by going to his website, the octopus of globalcontrol.com. Charlie, it's an honor to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. 
Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.